Welcome to Chicago West Sunday Sermons, where we encourage with the gospel of Jesus Christ, equip within Christ-centered community, and engage with good works. This week, we will hear a sermon from Pastor John Kelly. If you have God's word, you can meet me in Mark chapter 8. Gospel of Mark chapter 8, we are going verse by verse. Through the gospel of Mark. And uh, as you turn there, uh, we've been focusing for um, really the last week or two on this theme of faith, which is a big theme in the book of Mark and all the other Gospels, but we've been looking at it. And uh, last week we saw, we looked at like the barriers that get in front of faith. Um, if you remember the disciples, Jesus had uh, did this great miracle where he provided bread and food for 4,000 Gentiles out of seven loaves. Then last week we saw as soon as they leave from there, the disciples were stressed out about what? Anybody remember? Food, after Jesus just provided for them. And remember, the, uh, we looked at last week all the barriers that God shows up of what shows up in our lives that can hinder us walking by faith. Um, but what we get to right now is Jesus is actually about to show his disciples an example of what true and real faith looks like. And so I want you to meet me in Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And uh, I'll be reading from the ESV, and it says this. And they came to Beth Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Last week, we looked at the barriers of faith, but this week, the title of this morning's message is Faith, Fundam faith Fundamentals, Three Qualities of Christ-Centered Faith. Will you just bow with me in prayer? Lord, um, this word faith gets us thrown around in our culture. Have faith, have faith, have faith. Even people who don't know you talk about having faith. And so, Lord, I just pray um, this morning that everyone sitting here would know what genuine, sincere faith in Christ looks like. Not some counterfeit, not some knockoff, not something uh, self-stirred up, but a true, genuine faith in Christ. And so I just pray that you would keep the enemy away, that he wouldn't have any foothold or access to this service or anything here, but that there will be nothing blocking us from hearing your word and being um, fed by your Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so I just want to say to you, beloved, if you're going to follow Jesus as a disciple, then you got to know what genuine, pure faith looks like. What does it mean to walk by faith because the Christian life is walking by faith? And so what are the qualities, what are the characteristics? If you held faith up like a diamond to look at it and you turn it, you was like, that's what genuine Christ-like faith looks like. What can we know about it? There's three things or three qualities we have here in this text, and they're just the basic fundamentals that you should know about faith. Here's the first one, quality number one. Faith requires being led by Jesus. 
If you're going to follow Jesus, that means by faith, that means it requires you being led by him. And we might know that, but that's a little hard at times. Where do we get that from? Look with me in verse 22. It said, and they came to Bethsaida. And some people, let me just back up real quick. This is coming off of Jesus checking them last week and saying, is your hearts that hard? Do you not remember? And we looked at all the barriers last week. Remember, it just stopped. If you looked at the verse before, verse 21, what does it end with? And he said to them, do you not understand? So Jesus just got done um, lovingly in the spirit of humility checking them. And then this is the very next thing. They get to Bethsaida, and it says, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. I want you to see the contrast between the weak faith of the disciples and the faith of those who are in need that they just came across. The people who have not been with Jesus every day have far more faith than these disciples who are with him every day. So much faith that they, be, they believe that simply touching Jesus will heal this whole situation. Crazy when you think about it. And look at Jesus' response in verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Let's just pause right there. Jesus takes this man by the hand and begins leading him out of the village. Now, you don't have to close your eyes, but imagine if your eyes were closed and you couldn't see, and then Jesus is reaching for your right or your left hand, whatever is your dominant hand that you write with. And he just gently says to you, come with me. And he's leading you through all the noise and the crowd. Hey, watch your step right here. Hey, watch this child. There's kids running and playing. Hey, I got you. Watch this. You know, you're going to step down off the curb right here. Hold on to my shoulder. And for like the next 20, 30 minutes, he leads this man out of the village. Jesus takes this man by the hand and leads him. True faith, faith that is given by Christ and is rooted in Christ, is yielded to Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so to walk by faith, you have to be fully yielded. Have your way, Lord. Take control. You have to be willing to be led by God. If you are not willing to be led by God, you can't walk by faith. So remember what I said last week? When following Jesus, you can't have control and trust him at the same time. You have to embrace one and release the other. You can't do both. Either you are going to release control and trust him, or you're going to have control and not trust him. Now, how many of you, like me, are so tempted in our flesh to grab the steering wheel? Bring him the plans and then ask him to bless it rather than asking him for the plans that you know will be blessed because he gave it to you. There's no need to ask for him to bless something that he gave to you. So let me ask you this morning as you sit here, honestly, in the sight of God, my sister, my brother, are you fully yielded to God right now? In your life, is he leading? Like, can you say with integrity, yeah, you know, my flesh is always trying to fight everything, but the decisions that I've been making... What I'm going to do about this, where I'm going to work, what I'm going to do this week, money, my health, where we're going to live, the plans for 2024, your vision board. 
Did, did he give you that board or did you create that board? Is he leading you or are you leading yourself? Or is somebody else leading you? Why is this important? It's because the Christian life isn't designed for you to lead yourself. Somebody needs to hear that. The Christian life in Christ, Christ did not die on the cross for you to lead yourself. For you to come to church, hear the word, get fed, get a word, and then go throughout the week and try to lead yourself. It doesn't work that way. You will exhaust yourself. It's not meant to be set up that way. It has no capability for you being the leader. It is designed for Christ to lead you by the power of the Holy Spirit. When my kids were young, we would go to stores like Target, Lowe's, Walmart, or whatever. You go to Jew Oscar or something. And they were like really young. They always wanted to get in the shopping cart. And so then you would pick them up, put their legs through the little two holes, sit down, and as soon as they got in there, they would try to tell me what to do. Hey, we in Target. Can we go down the toilet aisle? Can we go down the toy aisle? And they see a Lego. Can you turn back? Can you turn back? You know, you're driving by the juice section. Can we get some juice? Can we get some gummy bears? No. <laughs> We're here to get some food. I got to get some other stuff. We out. Right? But then they get frustrated and it's like, let me out. <laughs> let me out. They want to get out. The reason is, is because... That seat, it wasn't meant for you to lead from that seat. And they don't like it. It's all good if I'm, like, going to take you down the toy aisle or go over here or go wherever you want me to go. But when I'm doing my list and everything on that list is actually a benefit to you because I'm getting you food, (laughs) diapers, lunch for school, pencils, all these different things, and I might even let you get a treat, they don't like it. But listen, the seat, that spot wasn't designed for the person sitting there to lead and push the car. They don't got no capabilities for that. That's the Christian life. And so you got to fight your flesh moment by moment because even though you are seated in the heavenly places with Christ, the seat he puts you in ain't got no position for leading. Not leading everything. You come under his authority. It's by his grace you have been saved. It's by his spirit. And he told you from jump, you got to abide in me because apart from me, you can't do anything. And then you get your vision boards, you get out the cart, and then you get mad at him when your life ain't working out the way you thought it would. When he told you, you have died and been crucified with me. It ain't even your life no more. The way you even talk shows you, you in the wrong spot. So, Beloved, as you could learn from this man who can't see, he is willing to be led by Jesus. Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Say that again. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. That's the moment. This is moment by moment, second by second. Not Sunday morning, pull into BP gas station, get filled up and try to make it through the week. This is moment by moment. Second Chronicles 30, verse 8, the Lord said this, Do not now be stiff-necked, stubborn, as your fathers were, but yield yourself to the Lord and come into his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God. Stop being so stubborn and proud. Can't nobody tell you anything. But yield yourself 
offer your body as a living sacrifice, Scripture says. And so if you remember, think about this for a minute. When Jesus first called his disciples and they were fishing, and he does this with every single one of us who say we know him, there's two words he said to them. You remember what they were? Follow me. Drop everything. Follow me. When he grabs this man by the hand, he's essentially saying the same thing. Follow me. And when he says follow me, he means for the rest of your life. So it ain't like, oh, I made a decision back there to give my life to Christ. What does that mean? Your eternal future? Yes. And every single second and every single day. You have given him your life. That's why you call him your Lord, Master. He's either he is or he ain't. Jesus says to people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Basically, why do you call me master, but you don't let me lead? By taking this blind man's hand, Jesus is saying the same thing he said to his disciples, follow me. And we don't get anything in this text that do was making it difficult. The problem with many Christians today, they want a relationship with Jesus that doesn't require them to follow him. But we see this all through the scripture. Israel in the wilderness following God, a cloud by day and fire by night. The cloud don't move, we don't move. The pillar of fire don't move, we don't move. If it starts moving, we got to get up. I don't care what you're doing, we got to go because we follow him. All of Israel's problems in the Old Testament is connected to one consistent act, their unwillingness to be led by God. In fact, they get their first king, Saul, from the tribe of Benjamin. Because they chose, a, they wanted a king like everybody else around the world rather than God who had been leading them. You remember that story? Like, that's how their first king came about. And God said to Samuel, don't worry, they didn't reject you, they rejected me. They're not content with me leading them. They want some human being to do it that I created. Beloved, don't be unsubmissive. How many accidents have you gotten into over the years because you keep grabbing the steering wheel while God is driving? The first basic fundamental quality of faith is that faith requires being led. If Christ isn't leading, it's not faith. Faith fundamentals, three qualities of Christ-centered faith. Here's the second quality. Quality number two, faith waits patiently for transformation. Let this bless your soul. Faith waits patiently for transformation. You know it takes faith to wait on God. We often think it takes faith to act and do something. And it does. It takes faith to sign up for that thing, apply for that, to move to that city. But it also takes so much faith to wait. Look at verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, we heard Jesus do that last time, right? And he laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? In verse 24, and he looked up, this is the blind man, and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So he sees, but he's not seeing clearly. So Jesus spits on the man's eyes, lays his hands on him, probably rubbing his eyes, and then says, do you see anything? The man says, well, I see people, they look like trees. Basically, Jesus says, is it working? And the man's response, urban translation, a little bit, 
Can I give you a quick fact? Quick Bible study note. This is the only place in all of the Gospels, in all of Scripture, where you will find Jesus healing someone in stages. You won't find it anywhere else in the Bible. You won't find any act of healing in which Jesus healed the person in stages. It's always instantaneous. The closest you can get is John 9 where he, he, uh, he puts the mud on the man's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. But it's not the same here. Jesus actually pauses, says, is it working? Do you see anything? And dude's like, nah, not really. I can see a little bit. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus has no power and he's like a mechanic under the car, like, turn the car on. Is it working? This ain't that. Jesus is trying to teach us and his disciples something that's very powerful. What we learn from this situation is that God doesn't always fix broken situations instantly. Sometimes he fixes them in stages. Sometimes he answers prayers in stages. Oftentimes, listen to this, oftentimes transformation comes in stages. In the Christian faith, this is known as sanctification. I'll give you a definition here. Some of you are like, I never heard that word, and I'm not trying to just give you big words, but that's a Christian term that's found in the Bible. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the process of those who have been saved by Jesus being set apart for Jesus and transformed by the Holy Spirit over the course of their lifetime. Let me say that again. Sanctification is the process of those who have been saved by Jesus, you have been washed with the blood of the Lamb, being set apart for Jesus. You were saved for him. You were set apart for him and being transformed, that's changed, by the Holy Spirit. How long? Over the course of their lifetime on earth. Salvation and forgiveness of your sins happens in a moment, instantaneously when you believe by faith. But the full transformation of your life, of your heart, takes time. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When I first came to faith in Christ, it took me about two years to stop smoking weed. I had smoked weed every single day since I was like 12. And it took me about three, four years to stop smoking cigarettes. And it was hard. Some of y'all are like, well, Pastor John, didn't you come to faith in Christ in prison? Yes. You were smoking weed in prison? Yes. Do you want me to be real or be fake? That's where I was at. I can be honest with you. You want me to be a fraud? I can't work that way. But the first two years, my heart had changed, but I wish I could say, man, I just stopped smoking weed right away. No, I didn't. I wish I could say, man, I stopped smoking Newport 100s and Black and Miles right away. No, I didn't. And when we was in the prison yard, I was the one. It took me at least five years to stop cursing every five seconds. We'd be walking in the yard. I'd be smoking my Newport. We'd say something, dropping all F-words, whatever. The brother just put his arm on my shoulder, Brother John. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was that guy. Man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. Yo, can you put the cigarette? My bad, my bad. And I'm a preacher today. <laughs> God's grace, right? Y'all remember, y'all. Come on now. You know how you was. Don't leave me up here. You was cutting up. You still cutting up, Right? I'm 20 years later, you're like, well, Pastor John, sometimes I talk to people and like, some things will happen, you're like, man, you know. It's like, well, you're seeing me 20 plus years later. And now I got a whole nother list of stuff that I'm just like, man, God, would you just change that in me? And it's a whole list of other things I'm working through as a husband, as a dad, as a friend. I tell you, what did change when I came to faith in Christ? I felt conviction. 
So even though I was still getting high and I couldn't enjoy it, I felt conviction. I was like, I knew I shouldn't smoke. I'd be reading the scripture. Your body is the temple. Be filled with the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, no mask, beholding the glory of the Lord, looking at Jesus, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That the more you look at the face of Jesus, the more you are being transformed into that image. Here's a basic biblical principle. We find it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You become like what you worship. Israel, you want to you wanna worship a golden calf? Well, you'll be like a golden calf. Look good on the outside, shallow with no depth. But if you behold the presence of of God and you look upon his glory and offer your heart as a living sacrifice, you will be changed. You can't look at the face of Jesus and not be changed. Spiritual maturity is never instantaneous. Growth and depth always takes time and consistency. Spiritual sight increases over time. It begins at salvation and grows more and more and more. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's a process. That's encouraging because some of y'all are waiting and you just think, like, I always say this, man, like, we want this crock pot, you know, this, this microwave God, he's a crock pot God. You got to let, you know, the good food, that thing got to marinate. You can't just throw good meals in the microwave unless it was like the bomb before and you just warming up a little bit for breakfast. But the good stuff, you got to let that thing sit, become nice and tender. <laughs> let God cook. <laughs> we said this a month ago, right? Did you know him as chef? Remember we talked about that? You know him as savior and king, but do you know him as chef? Can you let him cook? We often want God to change someone right now, instantaneous. And there's some things that happened in your walk with Christ that was instantaneous. But there's some stuff that if you look back, it's like slowly changing over time. You was deep-rooted in anger. Now, sometimes, you, you know, yes, the anger might show itself here and there, but you, don't, you just don't go from zero to ten like you used to. You're quick to repent. Can I give you uh, some pastoral counsel, just some wisdom? Be patient with yourself. You're trying to yield, and God is working. A little progress is better than no progress. Now, let me ask you a question. But you see in verse 23 and 24, when Jesus does this here, and he's like, do you see anything? Is he working? Is it complete yet? You need to preach that to yourself. Is he working? Yes. Is it complete yet? No. It takes faith to wait while God is at work. Imagine if the man who couldn't see started questioning him. I thought you said you was, you done healed other people who couldn't see. Why my, why my miracle taking so long? Lead me back. Sounds like Israel in the wilderness, right? Philippians 1.6 says, 
I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to hear that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's not done yet. Faith waits patiently for transformation. So verse 23, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Jesus is healing and transforming this man, but it is happening in stages. Faith fundamentals, three qualities of Christ-centered faith. Quality number one, faith requires being led by Jesus. And the second quality is faith waits patiently for transformation. Keep waiting, my sister, my brother, keep waiting. God is working. But here's the last quality, quality number three. Faith keeps trusting Jesus. Verse 25, this is powerful. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened, this is the blind man, he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home. That's Jesus sending him to his home now saying, do not even enter the village. There is a word in this verse that it truly exposes, like exposes genuine faith. And it's the word again. Some of your translations say once more. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. Jesus laid his hands on his eyes once more. Remember, Jesus had just asked the disciples in the verses before that, do you have eyes and cannot see? Remember in the previous verses, where do you ask them? Verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Jesus asked them, you have eyes, but you can't see? He then shows them a blind man who has more faith than them and takes them through the process of watching him heal a man who physically can't see, but who spiritually can see. And the blind man was willing to trust Jesus again by faith, and the disciples are not willing to trust him again. He just healed and provided food for thousands, and they are questioning again. Jesus just did a partial work of healing, and now he has to finish it, and he touches the man's eyes again, and the man is still waiting and trusting again. What do we learn about faith in this? I have it on the screen for you. Faith is the willingness to do something again. If Jesus desires to do it again or asks you to do it again, that's faith. That's like deep in the pit faith. I'm going to say it again. Faith is the willingness to do something again. If Jesus desires to do it again or asks you to do it again, the third quality of Christ-centered faith is that it keeps trusting Jesus Again and again and again. We just sung not too long ago about how we go to the Father again and again and again. Do you? Remember when Jesus came to the disciples and they couldn't catch anything? And he said, hey, well, drop your, drop your nets on the right side of the boat. And what they say, well, we've been doing that. We did that before. But because you said it, we'll do it. And they caught the most fish they ever had. 
I tried that before, Lord, but because you said it, I'll do it again. Moses went to Pharaoh again and again and again and again. God didn't say, well, I'm going to send you to him 10 times. He just said, go to Pharaoh and say this. Well, I went and I said this and I did the miracle you told me to do it. Satan matched the same miracle. Nobody believed me. You made me come all the way from Midian. Everybody's questioning my leadership. Now what you want me to do? No, you don't hear that. I went back. I did what you told me to because faithfulness is about obedience, not the fruit. You told me go to Pharaoh. Here's what I said. And God says, now go back to Pharaoh. And go back to Pharaoh. And go back to Pharaoh. Israel, they're going into the promised land. What do you want me to do, Lord? March around the walls of Jericho. All right, we did that. Well, now what? Go again. And again. Seven times. Why I got to do seven times? Because I said so, and it's seven days of creation, and there's something to that that you don't know about. This ain't even your battle. It's me. But walk around it again and again and again and again, and then the walls will come down, and you won't even have to do nothing. Faith is the willingness to do something again if Jesus desires to do it again and asks you to do it again. And so be careful of saying to God, I already did that. You will find multiple things in Scripture where you like, well, I already talked to him. I already shared the gospel with that person. I already uh, applied for that. I already tried that strategy. Uh, we went to counseling before, and it didn't work for our marriage. We already tried that. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Don't stop obeying Jesus. Don't stop trusting Jesus Keep trusting him again and again and again and keep serving by faith again and again and again and step out again and again and again. Do y'all remember like about maybe I don't know, like a month ago, I shared with you about my friend Richard Pope, um, the church planter in Maryland, and how when God called him, think about this, when God called him to plant this church, Right when they was about to start it, the doctor said to him, you are terminal. You got three to five years. And I share with you all of what God was doing. There's a whole podcast you see it on the screen called Terminal, the Dying Church Planter. This is what Richard gave as an update this week. Recently, I underwent a series of tests to assess how the cancer was progressing. This was routine. However, over the past several months, I've been feeling healthier stronger, and overall less sick. Apart from a recurring cold and sinus affection, I've been feeling really good. The doctor shared that there is 29% less cancer than when I initially was told I was terminal three to five years ago. Somehow, my immune system has gone into overdrive and started attacking the cancer. Simultaneously, the cancer seems to have stopped growing. This development, this development is miraculous, incredible, encouraging, and utterly insane in the best ways. It's the same doctor three years later. He mentioned that if my body had been fighting back then the way that it is fighting now, 
he wouldn't have considered me terminal. He also mentioned that there's a great possibility of a long life with my cancer being managed by the right mix of therapies and lifestyle changes. Additionally, he suggested that maybe, just maybe, we can beat it. Starting this week, I will begin treatment to support my body in its current efforts. I am praising Jesus and thankful for what he has done and is doing in my body. Lastly, he says, lastly, to those awaiting their miracle, keep waiting and trusting because God is kind. God isn't good because of my miracle. God is just as good even if cancer takes me. God is not good because of his actions. He is good because of who he is. That has been my most significant lesson these past few years. So to whoever has listened this far, pray crazy prayers, live radically in Jesus, and remember, as my good friend Tony says, we are all terminal. Make every day count. Now, here's the point. He was told three to five years to live, and he kept serving and going to chemo treatment again and again and again. I've tried that before. Well, let me just live these last three years the best that I can. And I get that's not every situation. That wasn't my little brother's situation last year, but it is his situation. I'm rejoicing. Keep going again and again and again. He doesn't stop serving the Lord. And guess what? He would say the most fruit of my life, 200 baptisms that I've seen come through the people at our church in the last two years is because I lived making every day count and obeying Christ and going to things again and again and again, even though in the physical realm, doctor says you have about three years left. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I believe it's because y'all and other people were praying. Somebody needs to hear that. This time might be the last time that you are ever in need this way again. So just keep doing it again and again and again. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. These are the faith fundamentals and the three qualities of Christ-centered faith. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? God, we confess that it is not easy to not grab the steering wheel when you are leading. We don't like the aisles that you want to lead us down. Like little children in a shopping cart saying, can you let me out? We are the same way. God, would you right now just expose to us where we have been trying to lead ourselves? And God, where we have blame shifted pointing the finger at you when the reality is we just want to control everything and God we, can, we, we confess it is hard it is painful and it hurts but we have heard this morning that your death on the cross and the seat and the position and the authority and the things that you have given us for all of eternity doesn't come with us leading ourselves but being led by your spirit God would you help us to wait patiently as you transform us from one degree of glory to another. I pray for that person struggling in their addiction, whether it's a substance, 
lust, it's pride, it's anger, it's self-righteousness, it's gluttony. They eat to cope all the time. Food is the big issue. Maybe it's social media or entertainment. God, you are changing them from one degree of glory to the other. Help them to be patient and then help them to be patient as you change others. God, I just pray that as we cry out to you, saying, God, would you move in this way? Would you provide for our family? Would you bring me the spouse that I've always wanted? Would you provide us a child? Would you give me more faith? Whatever it could be that we would ask for with tears, help us to recognize, Lord, sometimes you answer that prayer in stages. And then lastly, God, help us to trust you and to display faith by doing whatever it is you've called us to again. Lord, there's some people in this room, they have walked away from some things because they said, I've tried that before. God didn't show up. I've been waiting and I didn't see any fruit. God, what would be the thing that we need to do again? Even communion, you told us to do this in remembrance of me. And so God, I just pray that this wouldn't be a word that we've heard but this would be faith that we displayed. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Chicago West Sunday Service. Join us next week.